G'day everyone, and welcome to My Union Road in ABA. This is a podcast to chronicle the progress towards a new enterprise bargaining agreement at Monash University and is brought to you by members of the Monash branch of the NTEU. We're here to take the old agreement and hashtag change it. And unlike our namesake, my dad wrote a porno, do everything we can to avoid being fucked in the process. Those involved with the podcast would like to acknowledge that it is being recorded on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nations, on whose lands we live, teach, and work. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians and elders, past and present, and to the continuation of the cultural, spiritual, and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Hi everyone, my name is Adam Fernandez, your National Counselor at the NTE Monash Branch. Here with you today on your favorite podcast, My Union Wrote and EBA. It has been 426 days since our last agreement expired and 309 days since bargaining started. It has also been 23 days since Maggie G took a million dollar pay cut to kiss babies and cut ribbons. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 18 of the podcast. Apologies for the radio silence of late. Truth is that we've been in mourning. It's coming up on a month now since our dearly departed Vice-Chancellor Margaret Gardner got out while the going was good, and we've just been lost without her visionary leadership to lead us through these dark times. Actually, we've all just been busy with different things, to be honest. Uh, We're all juggling a number of, of different projects and jobs and all kinds of things at any given time, and to be honest, there's just been depressing a little movement in bargaining to report back on. Which is why we're keen to ramp up industrial action, which you'll hear more about at the end of the podcast. But speaking of Margaret Gardner, she may be gone, but she's left behind a mighty legacy of wage theft, redundancies, restructures, and pointless multi-million dollar land purchases. She's overseen the continuation of a further drift of Monash University into a corporatized behemoth that is concerned with profit rather than pedagogy. But Monash isn't driven by a single ideologue. It's driven by a multi-headed hydra of people who are professional board members and who have not set foot in a classroom since undergrad in the 60s when uni was free, and now only step foot on campus to attend lavish events and have people kiss their asses. These people are the ones that make up the university council and senior management, and at the end of the day, they call the shots regardless of who the vice-chancellor is. Foremost among those are Simon McKeon, Monash University Chancellor. He's a man who contains multitudes. By which we mean he has his fingers in a lot of different corporate pies. He has been Chancellor of Monash since 2016, but also a big wig at Macquarie Group, the National Bank of Australia, and Rio Tinto. In that last role, one that he gets nearly half a million dollars a year for, roughly the equivalent of what Maggie gets in her new gig, he was one of three Australian directors who were on the board of Rio Tinto when they blew up the Jukun Gorge, a 46,000-year-old sacred Indigenous rock shelter. Not bad for a bloke who was also the head of a university that continuously spruiks its Indigenous credentials. A few months after that, Neil Chenoweth of the Financial Times had this to say about it. There's been no public sign that McKeon contemplated resigning from the Rio board at any stage during this debacle. The matter for Monash is its branding problem. It beggars belief to market yourself as a champion of traditional owners when two members of the Monash Council oversee the company whose 2020 contribution to Indigenous recognition involved 77 tonnes of explosives. That's why, with Margaret gone and no permanent replacement on the horizon yet, the University Council are the ones to address our claims to. 
we do the work of the university, but they call the shots. If they wanted to end this, they could. They could send someone to bargaining who actually has the power to make decisions rather than HR goons who can't decide shit. It's very quickly coming up on a year since we started this bargaining process and it's already well over a year since the enterprise agreement expired. We've bloody well had enough. Anyway, we've got a few things to get to today. We're going to run through an open day wrap up and a Fair Work Commission update. And then we're going to talk through the action coming up this Wednesday at the University Council meeting at the Posh Monash offices at the Paris end of Collins Street. We also got an interview at the end with Tui McEwen, who is a staff representative on the University Council and is also a branch committee member. She gives Adam a rundown of who the council are and what their deal is and why they're a good target for industrial action. All right, on to open day. On the 6th of August, uh, we had the Clayton Open Day. We had a great turnout of Monash members come out to Clayton for it. Uh, members handed out over 4,000 flyers to prospective students and their parents explaining how poor staff working conditions will impact their education at Monash. It was wonderful to see so many members out in force, but it was also great to see people who came to Open Day be so supportive of our fight for better working conditions. They were appalled to hear that class sizes are ballooning and that tutors were getting as little as seven minutes to mark assignments, and people were overwhelmingly in support of our action. We then gathered for a stop work rally where staff let their open, left their open day booths to join in in the festivities, where we heard from Professor Ju Chong Tham, Assistant Secretary of the Victorian Division of the NTU, who quoted Tony's life story, uh, Blair, Ravi and Ben about some drama that Monash had started, like eliminating tutorials completely from the Faculty of IT and raising the maximum tute sizes again in yet another move to erode student learning conditions. Thanks to everyone who showed up and got involved during Open Day. Getting involved and showing up is how we support our bargaining team and get better results at the table. So on to the Fair Work Commission. Way back when, we had Industrial Officer Jacob DeBetz on the podcast talking about the university's application to vary the enterprise agreement uh, as a way of essentially neutralising our claims for back pay and penalties in the federal court. The Fair Work Commission ruled against the university and found in favour of the NTEU, which is great. But in true Monash style, they doubled down on paying their expensive lawyers a lot of money instead of their staff and appealed the decision. On Tuesday the 22nd of August, so just a week and a bit ago now, a bunch of us went along to observe the hearing before the full bench of the Fair Work Commission. Uh, we haven't had a decision yet, but we think it shouldn't be too long. And when we do hear back one way or the other, we'll be sure to let you know. And over the last few weeks as well, we had a petition circulating in support of our key bargaining claims, a decent pay rise, proper job security and fair workloads. With the hard work of our members, we gathered nearly 800 signatures on the petition before we sent it off to University Council last week to be tabled at the next meeting of council members on Wednesday the 6th of September. At around the same time it was sent off, we had an all-members meeting to vote on a four-hour strike. The action will go ahead next week if the university's bargaining team continue to refuse to come to the table with a genuine proposal on job security and decasualization at Monash. So the plan for the day is to stop work at 10.30 a.m. wherever you are and travel to Monash University Conference Centre at 30 Collins Street in the CBD where the University Council meets. 
will be rallying and soft picketing the meeting so that the key decision makers at this university can hear from staff and students directly about the importance of enshrining fair workloads and job security in the next enterprise agreement. We hope to see you all there showing your support for our bargaining team to help them negotiate the best enterprise agreement possible to overcome the lackluster approach that Monash has taken and just to get out and, you know, stretch those strike muscles with your mates. And that's it from us. So now we're going to hand it over to Tui and Adam to have a bit of a chat about the University Council vibes. And as always, if you have any questions, just shoot us an email at myunionwroteaneba at gmail.com and we'll see you at the strike on Wednesday. I'm pleased to introduce to you today, Tui McKeown. Am I saying that correctly? I'm not quite sure. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about who she is because I'm going to ask the lovely Tui to introduce herself and to tell us a bit more about what she does with the branch. So Tui, could you tell us a bit more about what you do and your involvement with the NTEU? Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here today. I actually started here back in the mid-1990s as a casual. So I've been around a long time. Uh, I was a casual. I then did a PhD, became a tenured staff member, and working within the Department of Management, I was an active union member as soon as I could afford it, but probably didn't do much. You know, I went on pickets, uh, did the normal sort of thing, wear the T-shirt, et cetera, and it wasn't until COVID that really became active. And perhaps that's probably the reason why I'm here today, because a lot of the power grab we saw over COVID that we were all happy with, we haven't seen that change. So in terms of being uh, an NTU member, I'm one of those stories about people, a person who's become a lot more active in the last few years, particularly since the death of uh, our dear colleague, Sandra Cockfield, who was part of the negotiating team for the last EBA. So trying to carry on in spirit what she started. That's amazing. Now, you happen to be an elected staff representative on University Council. Most people at Monash probably don't have much of a sense of what University Council is or what they do. Would you be able to tell us what they are and who's on it and what on earth do they do? Yeah, that's a very, very good insight. And this is also a story of somebody putting their hand up saying, yes, I'll do that without actually knowing much about it either. So I have been on, I've been a member of the council since late last year. And it has been a huge learning experience. So just to give you the 101 version of it, Monash University, I didn't realise, was actually established by an Act of Parliament back in 1958. It's been updated in 2009. And that put in place basically this, this board that is the Monash Council. Uh, Monash Council's had a number of permutations, so it has nine members on it that are elected either by um, the university or come from government representatives. So we've got some pretty esteemed sort of people on that. I'll tell you about them in a minute. But we also have two elected representatives. Now, we've got a staff rep, and then we've got um, the uh, student representative. Of the representatives, uh, everyone's paid except for the staff representative. Both the student representative and myself are there for two years. Everyone else, if you go and look at the profile, and this information is all available on a Monash University website, including the meeting dates, etc. But if you look at the representatives who we've got there, most of them have been there quite some time. So I'll just start off introducing the one that most of us have no idea who he is, but he does get around a bit. So our, our Chancellor is actually Simon McKeon. Yeah, he does spell his name incorrectly. It should be McEwen like mine, but it is McKeon. He comes from the Quarry Group. And um, yeah, he's basically sitting at the very top. 
Under that, we've got the the acting vice chancellor at the moment is Sue Elliott. So this was uh, our Maggie May for many, many years, just being replaced at the moment by Sue Elliott while they're on a global search for the new VC. We then have a number of people sitting underneath. So uh, Dr. Megan Clark. So again, I'd never heard of any of these people before. Quite an amazing person. She actually comes from the aerospace industry. So she's part of the Australian space race and um, quite an amazing lady. We have Jenny Sams, who has been involved for a long time in Aboriginal housing, looking at homelessness. homelessness. Uh, Pitsa Binion, who is the ex-principal of McKinnon High School, right through to people like Professor Jill uh, Callister, who runs uh, a group concerned with mental health. And then we've got a lot of corporate sort of people as well. So we've got uh, Peter Marriott, who comes from an extensive risk background, including ANZ and KPMG. Peter Young, who is a KC. So it's an amazing wealth of experience on the board, but probably the number one defining feature of our council is there's, it's very much up, upward and outward looking. People with on the ground experience who've actually know what happens at universities. Well, that's basically Pitts, uh, uh, Pitts has got some sort of background, I guess, coming from high school, but basically it's the student representative, the lovely Ishka de Silva and myself. And we are sitting on that council for two years and um, yeah, it takes about six months to get your head around it. And in terms of the amount of power and authority we can wield, some interesting questions to be asked there. What a motley crew of people running our university, miners, bankers, CEOs, philanthropists, and of course yourself and Ishka being our people on the ground, staff and students. Now, the Monash branch is organizing a half-day strike on the 6th of September, which is time to coincide with the next university council meeting. Monash NTU has submitted a petition and open letter to them just recently for consideration at this meeting. Tweet, what makes the council a good target for this action? Well, the council is the board. They are the governing body of the university and they do have the power and the authority but as I said, they're, you know, they're very good at looking up and out. And most of our council meetings do last five to six hours. I should say we meet eight times a year. There are also seven subcommittees sitting underneath it. So there's a lot going on. And what I've found out in the time I've been on, there's a lot of Monash resources devoted basically to looking at what's happening outside. And the majority of the time, it is well, to be blunt, happy, happy, joy, joy. We're going up in the world rankings on THE, etc. And as far as on the world stage, Monash looks very, very good. What really is lacking, and certainly at the council perspective, is what it actually looks like on the ground. And uh, perhaps you just, I'm going to use that terrible word that I know council hate, but wage theft. So they've called it unintentional underpayments. And the legalese, the language behind it, and we know this from attending the Fair Work Commission hearing the other day, you really do get baffled basically with the bullshit. So trying to explain to the council what this looks like on the ground, that as a chief examiner for a unit, I'm saying to you know, Adam here, off you go and work for four hours, but we're only going to pay you for three. That one hour of student consultation is unpaid. That's what it looks like on the ground. And I think we've got a... a council that are good people they really are concerned about what's going on but they've not heard this story before they do have the power they do have the authority and I think when they actually hear the stories and realize what's been going on they are a force for change and I'm hoping a force for good as well but um, 
those two don't necessarily go in hand, hand in hand, but we have got some very good people on the board when they hear the story, when they actually see the amount of staff discontent, I think that there is a, a, a wave of change going to hit. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tui. And that's all I have for you today. We hope to see you at the rally next Wednesday, the 6th of September. By all of us coming together, University Council can realize that, you know, this is not a PR exercise. They see us as the very real staff and students working on the ground at the university. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. Thanks to Kate, Danny, Adam, Bernard, and Pod Daddy Sofio for all the work they've put into this. And we'll catch you next time. Turn the song of this